Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Friday, June 3rd. Welcome to June. Welcome to summer. And I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? I'm marveling at what you're doing with the mic right now. You've got it held up. You're moving it around as you talk. Uh, it's very, like, master of ceremony vibes. Oh, yeah. Well, in a slightly different setup for me than usual uh, in Toronto. And so wanted to make sure I got maximum sound quality going here. Otherwise, I'm talking kind of straight over it. So it's going to be a bit of an adventure, but I, I feel like a feel like a rock star holding the microphone up here. Yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> um, maybe whoever's listening is hearing you way more clearly than me. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, TBD. <laughs> all right all right we uh oh there goes the dog there's a dog in here um might be an adventure during the podcast but lots of fun ahead max has got an awesome bike ride tonight around the city of montreal so we gotta just gotta like jump into things here so he can go enjoy himself tonight and um i might go see a blue jays game to be determined on that as well so without further ado tee up the agenda for today's podcast the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics kick off the NBA Finals. Last night, we'll have our instant reactions to that. Uh, we're also going to talk some hockey with the conference finals underway. And then the French Open semis just happened this afternoon. Got uh, hot off the presses, some, uh, some thoughts going into the weekend on what we're going to see. And uh, yeah, lots and lots to get through, Max. So without further ado... The NBA Finals, Game 1. I thought for sure I was going to miss the majority of this game, uh, going to practice, but you forget right away that these games are marathons in the NBA with the 400% increase in media, uh, trucks, personnel, right? They We saw it three years ago in Toronto. The media crowd that arrives for the NBA finals is unrivaled across all of the local teams because you're not just getting the U.S. broadcast, you're getting international broadcast as well. And there's just so much more logistically that goes into it. More advertising spend, which means longer commercials, longer timeouts. Um, crazy that you have them cut in. You have Mark Jackson saying something about one play and then they go back to commercials before the game starts up again. Uh, so a marathon of a game, you got to be dialed in. And so I was able to catch most of the fourth quarter because of how long this game went. And, and I definitely have some thoughts for sure, but I want to leave the floor to you to really kick things off here uh, to start. And, and what you thought of that surprising and impressive comeback on the road by the Boston Celtics to hand Golden State their first home loss of the playoffs. Surprising for sure, but it was there in the rearview mirror all game from the first quarter where Steph Curry was just going off, having a field day beyond the arc. Um, it was kind of a warning bell, though, because as often as Steph Curry was getting ridiculously wide open and draining everything he had to look at, the Celtics were always in it. They, um, 
even though it felt like the Golden State buckets were coming effortlessly, the Celtics were able to drive and kick and get their open looks fairly consistently. If not punch for punch, then punch for punch just one step behind. And we saw a bit of a microcosm in the first half of what we'd see in the second half, where I think the Warriors got up to about a 10-point lead most in that, and then the Celtics actually came back and led by two at the end of the half. And really, it just seemed like both teams had a lot of adjustment to the other's off-the-ball movement, um, both trying to lock down the paint and inside the arc and really leaving their opponents out open outside of the arc we've talked about how so many of these fine playoff games have been blowouts because when one team's just as collectively feeling the three ball it's just over so quickly and that's just the state of modern nba basketball love it or hate it it's here to stay in this case though both teams pretty hot um keeping it close that I think my main takeaway or surprise was just how many easy open looks these two juggernaut defensive teams were giving up on the perimeter. Although if the, your Golden State maybe you live with it a little more because your best players are getting those looks, whereas it was more the role players for the Celtics. But we talked about during the Bucks series, like one through eight, these guys are going to knock down their open shots on the Boston rotation. And then, yeah, that leads us in, into the third quarter where the Warriors do what the Warriors do. They finally got the defense going a bit more and the offense about the same as it had been through the first two halves, but then the fourth quarter and the Celtics do what the Celtics do. I'll let you chime in there. Yeah, that patented Warriors third quarter run that was really the staple of their dynastic run through the middle of the 2010s there um like historically great third quarter team that just came out in maybe it was a 10 point game and all of a sudden it was a 35 point game and you didn't know what hit you with just the barrage of threes and the uh and then stiff Steph curry's dancing on your gravestone um and you don't know what's hit you and that was something that the celtics experienced but they've been on the end of quite a few of those runs now in the playoffs, right? They have their battle scars. And so they were tried, tested, and, uh, and they came back and bounced back. And uh, you mentioned the role players for the Celtics, massive. Like the story of this game one is Derek White hitting every open shot that he got and Al Horford, who had played 999 games before making his first NBA Finals appearance. Wow. That is a record as the most number of games played by a play by a basketball player without making it to the finals. Who and, then makes it to the finals. Yep. And then he made it and he showed out 26 points and was fantastic. And both of those guys were so vital to what the Celtics did because Tatum, what ended up three for 17 on the night really struggled and had a lot of bodies always in his way. Uh, a lot of, limbs and a lot of different looks that he was getting and warriors were forcing him to give up the ball which is what you want to do uh but smart white horford really made them pay and it was a testament to boston's ability to rely on some of those guys and then the big story of the game for me was how they turned the faucet off defensively and the looks for golden state were very easy in the first half 
from a high level, from a less perceptive point of view, you're just saying, oh, Steph Curry's lighting them up. But if you dig in a little bit deeper, it was that drop coverage that the Celtics were going to early to try and protect uh, Rob Williams and, and Al Horford from being on an island against some of these quicker perimeter guys. But once they really dialed in, made the adjustments, started switching on all of those actions by the Warriors, which is something they've been able to do the last few years and why they've had success, um, they were able to keep the ball in front of them, which is always key. And if it wasn't Steph, the Warriors did not get a lot of perimeter creation from their other guys. And, and they're really, really going to need that because Boston is not going to allow Steph to get open looks around curls. They're going to switch on everything, keep the ball in front of them and force you to beat them off the dribble or, uh, or attacking with a pick and roll. And the Warriors will adjust. They've seen it all. Um, but it was really, really shocking how they just went dry. I think they had, 14 points in that final quarter up until nearly the end. And uh, yeah, really, really impressive stuff from Boston. And you never want to overreact to a game one as we've done so many times in these playoffs, but your picks looking a lot better than mine to start here. Yeah. Well, it's funny going into that fourth quarter, I was thinking, okay, the Celtics lost game one to the bucks. They lost game one to the heat. This isn't a big deal. Like they'll, when a team's winning that narrowly off of that much of an advantage in open looks and it's Boston, who's the defensive team giving up those open looks, you know, they're going to get better at that throughout the series. Steph Curry is not, he is going to be missing this game one for the rest of the series and all the open floor space he had. Um, offensively, the only area I see like, with possible easy improvement as Wiggins wasn't great putting away his open looks outside the three, everything else he did quite well. Uh, but it was just three or four, like just at the pace, everyone else was knocking down the open threes. He was yeah. quite a few steps behind. He was still Maybe. 20 points in that game though. Oh yeah. He was great finishing. He That's was great on the offensive yeah. rebound. It was just in this gunfight that the match ended up being everyone. Yeah. Uh, I'll get to Jason Tatum in a sec, but everyone on the Celtics pulled their weight. I'd say Jordan Poole, also a guy who's just been up against weaker defenses until now, found what it was like to be yeah. considered a contributing member of a top team being marked by a top defensive team. And just the stuff he was finding against a Denver Nuggets isn't going to be there in this mm -hmm. final series. That was the guy I was going to say is the key now for Golden State, because with Boston keeping everything in front of them, where I see the opportunity for Golden State to attack there is running an action that gets you Jordan Poole being defended by Al Horford, Jordan Poole being defended by even, uh, well, obviously a Rob Williams as well, but even a Marcus Smart, who incredible defender, his one weakness per se is the really, really quick guys. And you could say that about everyone in the league, but Marcus just doesn't have the same length to make up that la that like 5% less quickness than some of the other guys on his team. And so if you're Jordan Poole, you see Al Horford or Rob Williams in front of you, you have to attack that. Like he, he has been so great all year long at beating everyone off the dribble. And it was just, it has to be so much better. It can't be nine points uh, in, in a game from him. They're going to need him desperately moving forward. 
Yeah, and then I wanted to go back to Tatum because I've mm. said all playoffs, the Celtics need Brown and Tatum to put up ballpark 50 points. Um, I don't know how many Brown had. He was the superstar for the Celtics tonight. He, and that's, I want to peg your brain on um, Brown for Brunson as a potential trade some other time. But uh, <laughs> I don't think Boston go, moves off Brown at this point. No, he's, they, he's they would have to be crazy, but I, I can see some benefits for both franchises. Um, anywho, Brown it must have been near 30 points for Brown and Tatum 12 assists. That's 24. So don't he found a way to contribute. Tatum did um, the offensive aggression needs to be chosen at better moments and finessed and finished improvedly, but he found a way to contribute despite not having the scoring touch. And if I'm giving out credit, it first goes to Brown, second to White and Horford, third to Tatum for finding a way because defensively he was present and he was able to play make offensively and just keep the Celtics team running even if he wasn't going the engine didn't stall out as his personal offense and shot making wasn't there yeah it's it's a great point and I look forward to the next game here uh coming up on what is it now Sunday Sunday yeah, the, the yeah. two days in between games I know our, our podcast timing is perfect right now yeah, there you go. My last note on this game. I got I got some I got some vibes, man, from the the clip of Marcus Smart after the game, just totally locked in, even after a victory. No celebration. Reminded me so much of this championship Raptors team where they would finish a game in emotional victory and they'd all just business as usual walk back to the locker room ready for the next. And uh yeah. It, it it really made me uh, excited for what the Celtics can do for the rest of this series because they seem absolutely dialed in and a really, really impressive game one victory. It really does feel like their ceiling for playoff finals play is so much higher than, like we've seen what the Warriors can do and they can do it a little better, but I feel like we can see a lot better from the Celtics and that's scary when they're the ones who got the win. Oh, yeah. I'm still sticking my pick though. You got to stick to your guns, right? Oh, yeah. And we'll it's, and we'll get to that a little in. bit. We'll get that to that a little bit later. Uh, but until the French Open, we go to talking hockey here. Uh, some fun game once. Holy cow! Uh, we'll start with Edmonton, Colorado, because we have now gotten two games of that series, and it is not looking good for our Canadian brothers to the West. Game one. What a game! 14 goals between the two teams. Uh, one heavily controversial goal where the rule itself, Kale McCarr is not offside in the spirit of the rule and what it probably should be. He was offside. Uh, you get a lot more frustration being that it was a Canadian team jobbed over, over another rule switch, uh, just as uh, Calgary and Toronto have been already in this playoffs. But that's one goal out of 14. Edmonton's got to do a better job of defending. And that was that was a fantastic first opening game. Lots of skill on display. Uh, both 
McKinnon and McDavid buzzing everywhere. Dreisaitl, who's been battling injuries, looked really, really ferocious in that game one. And and Edmonton got some great contribution from lower down in the lineup as well, which is what they've really needed uh, for many, many years now. The big story of this series, uh, at least after game one, was the goaltending, where we saw Mike Smith get pulled and Darcy Kemper get injured. Uh, and, and Koskinen did not provide the relief that the Edmonton Oilers were hoping for after pulling Smith. So they were in a tough spot going into game two. But the story of game two is how the Avalanche were able to just go to Pal Francouz and he was, he was even better than they would have ever hoped for posting a shutout in game two, uh, pretty emotional afterwards, which was great to see. And that's a, that's a huge, huge performance that the Avalanche needed. And, and then on the other side, the Oilers going back to Mike Smith and, and he was decent. I mean, 40 shots against, it's never an easy night, but he's not giving them the same type of performance he gave them in the second round. And that's led to them being down to nothing in this series. And, and Colorado is over that hump and coming at them in waves. Um, I think the, the clip of the series so far to kind of wrap it up is um, McDavid getting a puck in plenty of space, having all of the wheels and Kale McCarr backpedaling turns on a dime, just pokes it off of him at the perfect time, right before he's about to swipe inside and, and try and take a shot on Francis. And uh, Makar defended him beautifully because he is almost as great a skater uh, from the defensive position on the ice. And uh, Edmonton's going to need that home crowd to give them a boost here as they return home uh, in a hole to nothing. Yeah, that uh, pretty much... So far, it's followed the conventional wisdom that these top lines are going to cancel each other out. And then Colorado's got the greater depth, greater support players, and just all around stronger pieces everywhere else. Once you start going second through fourth, top three Ds, goaltending, and that's what we're seeing so far in this series. It's hard to feel like McDavid and Dreisaitl can't steal you one game just because of how absurdly consistently yeah. they've done that this series but it needs to be game three for this to really get interesting again oh yeah needs to be game three we'll see if they're able to bounce back tomorrow night but until then tonight game two between the tampa bay lightning and the new york rangers another statement win for a team that goes into a series as an underdog and the New York Rangers uh, complete team effort really did a great job of sticking to their system, keeping Tampa to the outside, a lot of shots from the lightning, but when you have the probably Vesna winner in Shesterkin, who has finally reached, re-reached his Vesna level, um, it's, it's a great guy to have uh, when you have the best goalie remaining in the playoffs. Uh, you got to feel really, really confident. And Chris Kreider, who scored 47 goals this season, showed up, had a big one. Um, that, that line was buzzing all night, but the line that was really, really special for New York was that kid line of, of, of Curdle, uh, Kako, and, and Lafreniere. Two top two picks uh, in back-to-back years for New York. They developed them. They have them all kind of on that third line, and that line was buzzing around, cycling, winning possession, really t- like working down 
the uh, older and maybe a little slower Tampa Bay third line who was so devastating in their first two series. And, and that kid line was really special in game one. And we'll see if they can keep that moving forward. And on Tampa's side, they lost game one to Toronto. Uh, they've lost plenty of game ones. I don't think they've lost two games in our own the playoffs now for three years. So <laughs> uh, obviously they're comfortable and feeling in a good spot going into game two, but this might be the first series where Tampa could definitively say that, or they could say they don't definitively have the best goalie in the series. I, I would argue that Vasilevsky probably was number one against Jack Campbell and against uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. But when you're going up against the likely Vesna winner this year, then, then things even out on the playing field and they're going to need a little bit more than what they got from Kucherov on both ends of the ice. He, uh, he looked a little bit tentative in his own end. And I think this whole Tampa team having a week off was a little bit relaxed after not getting an extra couple of games of all that dirty physical playoff hockey that New York was experiencing against Carolina. So uh, in the, in the rest versus rust argument of things, uh, this time it goes to to the to the rust side and and New York wins out uh, in game one and we'll see how Tampa responds tonight in game two. Three years haven't lost back to back. That'll be such a story when it eventually happens. But until then, it's hard to dwell too much on this. Yep, we'll see if they can keep the streak rolling. Now, I think that streak is impressive but not nearly as impressive as this two grand slam streak that my hot take is riding right now. See you later, Mr. Djokovic. The hot take remains alive. And Max, as we jump into the French Open here, uh, I'm, I'm feeling really good about myself. How are you feeling about the tourney? Um, about the fact that the guy who has won three of the four grand slams 75 80% of the time didn't win the one of the four he doesn't usually win to the guy he usually loses to at said grand slam. I'm feeling just fine with Wimbledon's season coming up real close. But in the meanwhile, all the congratulations and celebrations to Rafael Nadal. Noted who- dark horse. Of the Australian <laughs> Open. <laughs> he was no one's dark horse at the tournament where he has a statue of himself put in front as an active player. Never get old of that one. Uh, really, though, it would not be out of line to put a statue of Novak Djokovic um, rallying with Rafa not too far because some of the matches these two have played for two years in a row now on this court have just been some of the best matches of the year. That certainly holds up for their semifinal last year. And I don't think this one's going to be forgotten anytime soon, despite being one round sooner. Um, Rafa takes it in four. I think it was something like 6-3. He lost the second set, took the next one 6-2, and then takes the last one in a shootout. Um, but really closely contested. Um, it like almost more of the games going to deuce than not, both feeling like they could go either way. Uh, different phases happening at different parts in the game. The first set, it was really just a difference in serving. Rafa, when he was challenged, when Novak had a break 
chance uh rafa able to come up with a big serve whereas on novik's novak's break defense he wasn't able to come up with a big serve so rafa able to attack the second serve more and get the advantage in the rally breaking like that somewhere around the second set Novak realized like, okay, I can't just sit back and defend. Like Rafa is too ferocious. He's too mobile. I'm not getting it. I need to take it to him. And that brought it up to a whole nother level, uh, a nonstop chess match of just the shot selection to get a lot of cross courts. Um, Novak's backhand onto Rafa's forehand cross court was what Novak wanted. Rafa was okay with that if he could set it up to find a way to switch to the forehand down the line. His ability to hit winners all night really depended on that shot, which paid off for him far more often than not. Uh, ridiculous at the net, the ability to just run, get balls, touch them ever so slightly, but always incredible from those two. And then, yeah, I mean could go on about this one for quite a while. I'll end up going just into the fourth set. Novak gets the break early. It looked like we were going into five. Um, and then his chance to close it out. He fumbled it. Rafa picked up the defense, didn't give him anything easy. Uh, but Novak did fall apart a little there. I, I really thought it was going to a fifth set with him already up the break. But when Nadal is mobile, has his full health, and is defending those courts, his defense is better than Djokovic's, which is the hallmark of Novak's game on the French clay courts. Nowhere else I'll say that, like as a definitive statement, but it's just so absurd how he attacks and defends and gets everywhere on the court because the ball moves just slowly enough for him to be there. Um, it's masterful. And that is a lot of the tennis talk time. So I'll be a little quicker running through the rest here. First, a congratulations to Sasha Zverev, who gets his revenge on Carlos Alcaraz five-setter that sees Zverev go take the first two, drop the next two. Uh, fifth set, he has a chance to serve it out. And Alcaraz manages to get the break, force it to the tiebreaker, but Zverev all business there and takes it. It might have just gone four sets, maybe not five. I can't quite remember. Anyway, that puts the red hot player to stop. First time we see Alcaraz in a grand slam with all the hype he's gained since the Australian behind him. His ideal court, I think, Clay, you can say at this point, based on what he's won. And Zverev able to stop him. So it puts a bit of a cap on the hype train. Uh, the cold start really hurt Alcaraz. And even though he woke up later, it, just the ability to dig out of that hole, not quite. Uh, of course, not quite at that big three level, even though Zverev giving him some help with some fumbling in the late game. So that was our first semifinal matchup. Rafael Nadal, Alex Zverev, it looked to be a good one. Unfortunately, just two sets in after Rafa takes the first in the tiebreak and we're in the business end 6-6. Zverev has to retire due to injury. So Nadal will go to, I think it's 14th. French Open final. I don't think he's lost in the finals yet there. And he'll play Casper Rudd, the Norwegian 
who has up until 2022 always been a great clay court player, uh, solidified his top 10 rankings off of a lot of 250, 500 wins, hadn't had that success at the 1000 level, um, but there's been big improvement this year at the couple masters events that have happened so far, some semifinals and finals appearances. And not against any top five opponents, but uh, guys like Tsitsipas, Rublev falter out a bit early, Medvedev as well, and Rudd gets to run through, takes out Silic in the semifinals, who's played fantastic tennis for sure to get to that point. And we'll have Kasper Rudd versus Rafael Nadal, which all signs, indicators, gambling is going to favor Nadal. It, the injury concerns... Uh, Maybe just through sheer force of will, he's suppressing them until after this tournament. But after that lengthy, physical, nonstop, intense match with Djokovic um, and showing no signs, and then having the other guy retire due to injury in his next match, lots of rest in between that match against Djokovic, playing just two sets between then and Sunday. Um, it's going to take something impressive from Rudd to make this a contest, but looking forward to it nonetheless. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Should be a great one and should be a great weekend for the kids here. Uh, weather is awesome outside, ready to get mm -hmm. some activities going. I am thinking about going to the Blue Jays game tonight as the team has won eight straight games Ooh. and the bats have come alive. Uh, I think they're still five games back of the Yankees, but um, 10 games over 500. Always fun when the Jays are in town. They just seem to have that extra bit of energy in front of the home fans. Um, looking forward to jumping into the season with, uh, with NBA and NHL wrapping up fairly shortly. Uh, but that's really going to do it for me for this one. Max, I don't know if you have any final thoughts you want to bless upon our listening audience here as we head towards the weekend. No, Todd, did you check out Opiate? I did, actually. Thoughts? Um, I mean, I, I listen to anything, yeah. and I, I enjoyed parts of it, but it wasn't, it, it's, it's not something that I will, will listen to over and over again. If it came on, I wouldn't turn it off. How's that okay. for a review? Yeah. Um, that thesis going to need some revisement. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Owen is a tool fan in progress, as are all our listeners. Sports <laughs> Next Door signing out. <laughs>